0: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number one sixty nine. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm
2: all right. There's nothing really going on here. Uh, the weather is cooler finally. Like it was a good twenty two degrees which is nice and not nice at the same time. Like, yes, it is nice to be in warm weather in November, but then it's also not nice to be in warm weather in November because you're like, it's not supposed to be this warm here. Um, But other than that, nothing, man. Like, my dog's not at
1: my feet, literally, so I guess that's a good sign. I've been living for your Twitter updates on where Marshall is sleeping. Electric factory content. He's right by. He's right by your chair, like literally right on top of your chair, or directly in the center of a walk. Like, could not be any more center of a walkway. It was tremendous.
2: Uh, it's the worst when it's upstairs because we have like a narrow hallway leading from like the living room, not like literally from the living room to the kitchen, and he lays down across the middle of it. And he's not a small dog. He's not a big one either. But he takes up the full room. So you're going like. I either have to jump over you, which you won't like, and you'll immediately get up. So I have to jump higher or I have to tell you to get up, which I don't want to do because like you're comfortable. So you've put me in an awkward position, dog. Meanwhile, there's like four couches, five beds, three dog beds. You have options here, dog. Use one. Why are you on the hard floor?
1: Come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I That's that's tough. Dogs make no sense sometimes. They don't, but they're, they're awesome. But anyways, what's going on with you? What's going on with you, buddy? Honestly, not a whole lot is going on here. Uh, we had a couple of nice weather days in a row, like you, like you said, like good and bad. Uh, and then it went right back to absolutely sucking. It was pouring rain all day today, uh, which is the worst kind of day. All I wanted to do was sit in bed and drink tea. Yeah, yeah,
2: and like stream, not stream, sorry, uh, binge. Binge a show or, or something of the sort. Just do nothing.
1: Yes, I, I would have killed for that, but instead went to work. But now I, I am, a, I, yeah, if we do the Did the
2: opposite. Yeah,
1: so now, now we will relax and talk some New York Islanders hockey. We have a few things to get through today on episode 169. Uh, what I want to start with, though, is what I'm calling the Lamarillo effect. So Lou has worked his magic, or we've heard two stories in the past week of Lou working his magic. One with JG Paggio, the other with legendary basketball coach Rick Pitino. So we'll start we'll start with Paggio and then get our way to uh, the basketball coach. But supposedly um, JG Paggio said this on a podcast that he accepted Lou Lamarillo's first offer in in terms of talking contract, um, which I. I love one. I see both sides of it because, yes, it was a very lucrative deal. But at the same time, it shows that Shiji Pasha was like, awesome. I'm going to the Islanders and they're offering me something. Yes, I want. I want to stay. That shows that he wants to be here also, which is cool.
2: Yeah, it's either... Usually when it's in a contract negotiation like there's a negotiation that happens cuz that's in in the word. This is not a negotiation although it was structured as such like here's what we're offering you do you accept and he went tabernacle, oui. like, we! <laughs> right away, yes, I'm taking that. Um you're right. Like this, the the value of the contract was lucrative. It was a long-term deal for big money, right? Like that, that he probably wasn't he he could have got something close to that with Ottawa. Maybe. Uh, but that there was a lot of money they gave him over a long time, which is what hockey players want, which anyone wants. Stability and money. And he's getting both. Why would he argue? But the fact that Lou knew this is going to get the deal done. Boom. Here, I'm, I'm giving you, literally, I'm giving you an offer you can't refuse is what he did, and it worked.
1: Yeah. No, literally, it, it, it was an offer that he couldn't refuse. Now, if in a non-COVID world, I think if he hits for agency, he gets something similar. This year, I I, I don't know. Maybe he would still be on the market. I, I don't think it's really fair to, to do that because we weren't really living in the COVID world at the time of the, the trade and the contract. So I think under normal circumstances, he probably gets something similar coming off of a career year at just 27 years old. He turned 28 today, so happy birthday, J.G. Um But ultimately here, I, I really have no issue with – with either side on this one, which I think you're kind of hinting at also, but Lou clearly wanted his guy. Not only did he trade for him, but he but he signed him, and he made him a damn good offer. So I think it works well for both parties, really. And Peugeot had to be a little buoyed by how much went to
2: the Ottawa Senators. And maybe he didn't know it at the time, but let, let's assume he knows what the package was and then got, uh, began discussions, right? Because the trade happened, and then like an hour or two later, the deal was done um the the odd the the Ottawa center sorry the new york islanders sent a first second and a third and sure the first and third were conditional uh third being based on if they won the Stanley Cup this year which they did not so they keep it uh, but that's a big package to give off just to acquire a guy and sure we can then de- talk about how like well there must have been at some point a guarantee that it that an extension could be signed sure yes fine but that's still a lot and that has to give the player some confidence like holy cow they really want me they 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 want me so bad they're giving off three picks to get me and i only have a year yeah that that gives me sense of like okay well maybe this is somewhere that uh isn't isn't just making a run is hoping to have me for a little bit and then we'll see what happens this is a a team that really wants my services and then they offer me uh, what is it five by six yep correct that's huge yeah, of
1: course I'll take that. Not only do you want me, but you've given me the price that shows that you want me. Awesome. Right. He's getting paid like a premier third-line center, which he is. I I think a lot of people were critical of the the term and, and the AAV on that. But when you when you look, again, right now, it's a little bit different because of the world we're living in with COVID and, and the cap situation. But when the deal was signed and what it, things would be normally, he got market value for one of the best third-line centers in the league at that cost. And I think you can make a really strong case that he is one of, if not the best third-line center in the sport, just about. No, Mitch? Oh, without question. You can maybe argue somewhere that it's the top three.
2: I don't have a going list of third-line centers around the league, but he's at, at worst a third-line center and at best a second-line center. He's a middle six center, no questions asked. He shouldn't be a top-line center, but even if he is, he puts up points, like 42 points, sorry, 40 points in 60 games with the Ottawa Senators this is a pretty damn good return. And keep in mind, that's on a team with very little talent outside of that top line.
1: Right, and, and something else that I like about J.G. Pajo and this gets talked a, a lot about with, with players, but a lot of times it's for guys who really don't do anything offensively, and they just kind of do the defensive stuff. But he he really does play a well rounded game. He could do a little bit of everything. He's good at five on five, offensively and defensively. He can play on the power play. He can play on the penalty kill. He's great on face offs. Like he, he literally does everything for this team. And at a high, he's to me like Casey Cizikas is someone who a lot of people say, oh, he plays the game the right way. He does a lot of things well, which is true. I'm not taking anything away from Cizikas, but Pajot's like the The better version of that, the more offensive hot ceiling version of that, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, we talk about, like, poor man Sezikis or, or, or rich man Sezikis, I guess, but this is like a billionaire Sezikis. Yeah, <laughs> If you had a bajillion dollars, this is a Sezikis you would build, Uh, and it, it's Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. He is fantastic, like you say, in every aspect of the game. He'll throw the gloves down as well with a guy, well, like, that's towering <laughs> over him. He'll do that. Right. Like, th- this is a guy who's in it to win it he's in it to do anything for your team to win maybe not anything he's not going to like you know kneecap a guy to win uh, he but might. he will do it the right way to win <laughs> which is exactly what you want he's not going to do something shady on the ice he's just going to like give his 125%
1: moan to win if you were to build like the perfect third line center in a factory JG Pajot is pretty damn close to what the finished product would be right
2: Yes, absolutely. I, I, like you say, like his defensive ability is incredible. He plays, or has played, at least 60%. He's played no less than 56% in the defensive zone, so this is just defensive zone starts, mm-hmm. since 2014-15. And before that, he only played 9 games and 28 games in the NHL, and he was at like a 50 and 47% defensive zone
1: starts. Okay, so we don't have to count that anyway.
2: No, like... You could, but like and sure, like, okay, those two seasons, yeah, he maybe played more offense, but after that, he has been strictly defense. Like in fifteen sixteen, he's sixty four point seven percent in the defensive zone. Wow. And in fifteen sixteen, he scored hit that was his second best year, actually his most productive year in the NHL, at uh, forty three points with nineteen goals and twenty four
1: assists. Yeah, I think we'd sign up for that in a heartbeat, no, with the, all the other intangibles that he gives you as well. And again, he played 64.7% of his own starts in the defensive end and still put up 43 points. Incredible. Right. That's the guy who you put out there to win a faceoff, get the puck out of the zone and then create like those are reliable pieces. And I I know we kind of went off from where we originally were with talking about the Lamarillo effect, but just, yes, we're very we're very high on JG Pajot and what he's going to bring to this team for the next six years, which to me, is exciting. I am excited to see a full year of J.G. Paggio on the Islanders.
2: Well, it, it's getting back to what you're saying about Lou, is that he recognized that he made a mistake with Derek Broussard. It's not to say that Derek Broussard in and of himself is a mistake. It's that he brought, he being Lou, brought Broussard in to play third-line center. Derek Broussard was not up to snuff for that role. It just, he used to be a third-line center, maybe even better than that when he was playing with the Rangers. He is no longer. He can no longer fulfill those duties in the way that the Islanders want him to play. Correct, uh, and he just doesn't fit it anymore. And Lou went and fixed that. He said, "I'm not going to mess around trying to find the Valteri Filppula's out there. I hit it once. I'm probably not going to hit it at that uh, again. And and if so, like how many times am going to screw this up? Because he saw what happened when you have, when you roll Derek Brassard out there as your third line center. It just doesn't work. And then your team not capitulates, but if you don't have a third line and Sezecas is out, forget it." forget it, you're not going to win, and that's what happened. So he went and fixed that and brought in the best third-line center he can get. Yes, he overpaid, I'm using air quotes, but like when you have a mistake and you fix it, you're going to have to pay for it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I think it was the right decision. And uh, I, I to bring this back home again, Pajot, I think, sees the direction of where this team is going, which is one of the big reasons why he wanted to stay and was so excited about staying.
2: And and we'll get to that point specifically the direction that this thing is going later on in the show, um, but you're absolutely right. Like he saw where there was the trending. He's going to have a Hall of Fame coach, arguably. He's going to have a, a Hall of Fame at uh, this point when he's looking at the contract. A Hall of Fame GM telling him what to do and how to do things uh, in an organization in a in a big market much bigger than Ottawa, um, under some big spotlights and playing with the team with aspirations. That's huge. That is
1: a huge, and they, they trust you and they want you. What what else, what more do you want? It's 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 good for, again. It's good for both sides. I think that's my, my final thoughts on Pacho. It works out for both sides, and it was a good thing all around. Yes. Now now tell me who Rick Pitino is. I know he's a
2: basketball coach. I thought he was an NBA coach. So I had to look it up, going like, "Where does he actually coach?"
1: And it's Iona State, I Iona, which is in New York. So he was at Louisville for a long, long time. He was with the Knicks, and I think he was with uh, Villanova. Maybe well, he's more okay. of a he's more of a college basketball coach. Yeah, I don't think his Nick tenure was all that great, but he, he is well, whose was very fair. But he, he did, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he's a two time national champion at the college level. So
2: I guess if you're playing with Villanova or coaching Villanova, I, I know the big team names and like where they they kinda sit in the gamut of like college basketball, but I, I know very little about basketball at all. I, I rarely play the sport if ever. I can't shoot for the life of me. Um so when when his name came up, I knew that he was a big name. I just didn't know like why he was such a big name and why it mattered so much
1: sorry it was uh Kentucky another big basketball school yeah that's a big (laughs) 89 to 97 there uh the Boston Celtics head coach from 97 to 01 and then was at Louisville from 01 to 17 a little bit of a scandal ended things and then he's at uh Iona now okay fair enough so
2: he got him he he being Lou again Got Rick Pitino to sign up for season
1: tickets at UBS Arena. Yeah, UBS Arena on, on a three-year deal too, not just the one wow. year. Deal. Yeah, he locked him in for three years, <laughs> uh, which is I, I think I think it's interesting because when you look at like he's a local guy, he grew up in uh, Oyster Bay, like he's he's a Long Island yeah. guy, so he obviously knows Lou Lemieux, and I'm sure from you know working and being a big name guy in sports, they've crossed paths, but. They met, had a three-hour dinner, and supposedly, according to uh, News 12, was the, where the interview was uh, held, um, Rick Petino goes, yeah, I really liked what Lou Lamarilla was talking about, so I, I got season tickets, which that's really cool. Like <laughs> Rick Petino, like, a legendary basketball coach, is like, huh, I like what Lou's got going on over there with those uh, scrappy Islanders. I'm going to buy in <laughs> for the next three years.
2: But that that's the thing. Lou isn't just trying to buy in players. He's not trying to just buy in, like, the media, I suppose, uh, or agents at that for that fact. He's buying in anyone and everyone. He's selling them hard to everyone. And, and he's succeeding. It's not like he's pushing a failed product on people trying to maximize his revenue scheme. He's pushing a product, and people are buying it because they respond to the direction, again, we'll get to that later, mm-hmm. uh, w- of where this team is going. And that speaks volumes. When not only you get... The, the premier we'll call him the premier free agent at the time because Peugeot was going to be one of the better centers available uh, as a free agent should he got if he had gotten there right uh, they brought him in they convinced him to stay long term and now they're convincing this legendary basketball coach to also buy in which makes you wonder who else is he speaking to and trying to sell on the islanders
1: uh yeah great point I, it's gotta really, be a lot just of growing
2: that this cast this rolodex of like high name people within the sports industry as not only does he rebuild the product on the ice but off the ice
1: yeah and this is what we're going to get into later in one of the one of the later segments but he is restoring legitimacy to this franchise because for a long time like obviously in the 80s when they had all their success like they were a legitimate franchise looked as a, at a dynasty like really great team but for two decades, they were kind of an afterthought in the 90s and 2000s and most of the aughts. But now that's not the case anymore. Like this is he's trying to build this up to where they're competitive every year, which they have been in his first two years. They they were in the Eastern Conference final this past year, and the expectation is probably the same for this year, if not more. And, you know, people are starting to take notice, which is what we should want as Islanders fans. Yes. We like the underdog role. Sometimes We, I think we like the the little brother syndrome a little bit. We, we kind of like punching up. But eventually, don't you want all the recognition? I
2: do. Yeah, that, that's the idea of being mad about being an underdog. It's like, we deserve respect, damn it. Okay, well, uh, eventually we're going to get that respect don't feel uncomfortable when we get there. Uh, but for now, we still have to deal with, like, the Islanders not being one of the top ten teams based on some... some polls or whoever is looking at it which is fair like on paper they don't look like a great team uh, but they haven't looked good on paper the last 10 years i sorry 10 years two years uh but lou is is making that that progressive move forward uh with the team saying like no we can build the winner and here's how we're going to do it and he's convincing other people to come on board And, and that's the big selling point is that he's not just turning things around again on the ice but off of it as well which is what this team desperately needed right you can have a winning product, but if you got no butts in the seats, who cares?
1: Yeah. No, that's true. Like it it's the old saying, if 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 a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does anyone or does any does it make a sound or what whatever? I don't even know what it is. I'm just rambling nonsense <laughs> at this point right now into the microphone. God save me, Mitch. Um uh, but yeah, but that's you know what I'm trying to say here is I know, sorry, I'm caught kind up of laughing. Yes, that's
2: exactly it if no one is there to see it, no one's going to care. Yeah. And that that was the thing. Like, yes, we have fans. Yes, the Islanders have fans. But they don't have as many as everyone else, as some other teams. Like, just look at the attendance ratings. The, the fans that do go are very passionate. They love the teams. And even the fans that don't go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can look at those numbers and say, like, they're low. They don't have a lot of fans. Well, to be fair, it wasn't always the most convenient for some people going to Barclays. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. For some people, it was. Uh, and they truly, some of them truly enjoyed that experience. And that's great. But there's people living like in, in Suffolk County that could not come over, even people from New Jersey that couldn't necessarily come over quite easily. And that puts an impediment on the fan base. Look, we have that going on here in Ottawa, right? Like right. there's a lot of people who don't go to the, to the, uh, the games because it's all the way out in Canada. And I'm talking about people out in the East End, out in the North End, out in the South End. It just takes forever to get there. And thinking about having an arena downtown centralized to where the fan base is, everyone's going, yes, hooray, And now that's not happening. What the hell is going to happen to the Ottawa Senators? So now that they're moving to a central location, and what I mean central, like central to the fan base, relatively more, e- relatively easier to get to for most of the fan base, that's going to be huge for the Islanders. And Lou is clearly selling that on people.
1: Right, absolutely, which is smart, especially now when you know there's there's not a whole lot going on. Yes, you still have to sign Matt Barzell, and the free agency is technically still going on and stuff like that. I'm not saying Lou's sitting around twiddling his thumbs, but there, there's more to just signings and, and trades as a general manager like you gotta you know he he's, been, he's building back up the brand and doing a really good job at it and we've needed someone to do that for a while uh, that that's why when
2: Ledecky and Malkin came in, they were looking from day one for a team president, right? They needed someone to reshape the franchise in terms of how it it, it conducts itself and how it approaches uh, building not only a friend an organization on the ice, but a complete organization. That means scouting, that means sales, that means marketing, so on and so forth. And, and Lou is doing that, and, and for a while, to be fair, some of those capacities were. were um, offloaded or abdicated to Barclays, right? Like when they moved to the Barclays Center, they took on all the marketing and the sales, right? Right, And, and they would just like kick out a
1: stipend, I think is the word,
2: yep. to the Islanders every year, like a $50 million stipend, boom, here you go, here's your money, go away.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's completely different, which is a good thing. It needed to be different, but I like that things seem to be changing for the better and the more people that are hopping on and noticing that, it's good, it's a good thing that's correct
2: so good job Lou all around just selling anyone and everyone on the New York Islanders uh, we need more Lou's right? yes, can his please. son go and start getting meetings too three hour dinners
1: love that absolutely love all,
2: it all the Lamorellos need to be booked up straight for dinners, <laughs> so they can start converting people to Islanders fans apparently all it takes is three
1: hours yeah three hour sales pitch I'll, I'll, I'll listen you can sell me for Man. three hours <laughs> I'll show up wearing whatever just, just a free dinner is all I want and lose time and lose time exactly so, Mitch, let's move this thing along. Let's talk some veterans. So, today is Veterans Day. So, to all those who have served and are serving, thank you. And yes, uh thank what, you. We, what we wanted to do is talk about the Islanders veterans. So, first question Yeah are they too veteran heavy, Mitch? Yeah,
2: they're the third oldest team in the league at twenty eight point three three years old years of age on average.
1: Yeah, it's not that's not a great thing and granted that that could theoretically change depending on what happens with uh, guys like Johnny Boychuk and Leo Komarov those on the wrong side of 30 um, yeah. but it, it's the Islanders to me okay it, they're in a weird spot i feel like most of their key guys are in their late 20s early 30s which is okay for for going for it over the next couple of years they do have some wild outliers, though, like with with Johnny Boychuk and, and when Andy Green's back, that's going to cause it to go up. I, I, I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be, but it's definitely not an ideal situation either. It's kind of in between in my eyes.
2: Yeah, well, when you look at some of the oldest teams in the league, you're looking at the Red Wings, the Wild. Nashville uh, stars, right top five including ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and we're including the Islanders and you're going, well, there's a clear path and at least you know the, the bottom two right like Detroit and Minnesota they're rebuilding. so you're assuming when when you're rebuilding you have an old core that you're transitioning out of. the Islanders aren't there. You, you would think that they'd be at the end of their cycle now, right? Like, based off their their age, but they're just opening their cycle. We we've talked about this maybe a month or so ago. Like, the window is now just opening. It should have been open already based off of the talent in this core, uh, but it, it never was because we didn't have anyone to unlock it, enter Barry Trots, and here we are. Um, so we're kind of near the, where, where it should be nearing the tailing off end of, of whatever cycle we, we should be in. So we're left with a pretty old team with, like, the Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, uh, Brock Nelson, right? Like, Brock is, I think, the youngest of those four at 29 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I think he just
1: turned 29? Oh, come oh, on, Or he's about dads. to turn 29? He just turned 29 October
2: 15th. Okay. So, yeah, a few days ago. So he's he's ago. the youngest of, like, the core, right? Uh, at least up front, not including Matthew Barzal, if you're not like that's He's just, he's now taking over type of thing. Right, exactly.
1: But uh, depending on what also happens with Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom, that could help sway things back. Like, if they get a big year from one of those two guys, or could you imagine both? Like, that could make a, a huge difference.
2: Right. And like you said earlier with the the average age, you you take out Johnny Boychuk and you put in Oliver Wallstrom. That's taking out a 36-year-old going on 37 in January or December, I think, either way. Uh, And you're putting in a 20-year-old who just turned 20 in June.
1: Like yeah, that—that's that, a big difference on on the average age, right? Yeah, now that that's going to sway some things around. So, uh, yes, that number on paper doesn't look great, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as some. Like some people are on Twitter, like uh, the the sky is falling. they they already passed their their prime. They missed their window, and I'm like, yeah. Can we pump the brakes on that for a second, please?
2: Yeah, well, like consider. So I only named the top five teams, but if you look at six through ten, you're going Tampa, Washington, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Vegas. Okay. Like cup winner, cup winner. So you six Tampa won the cup this year. Washington won the cup last year or two years ago. Sorry, Arizona. Lulz. Uh, Pittsburgh won two cups in the last five years. Vegas probably should have won a cup by now or at yeah. least went to t- uh, a Stanley Cup final and probably should have been to at least another one. And they're only three years into yeah, they, the, in the, into this
1: thing. They've been in the conference final each of their three years in existence. No,
2: uh, I yeah, or... I'm gonna say yes. I don't want to say I disagree. I just don't remember
1: it. Okay, well, at least two of the three years. I'd...
2: Yeah, I admit him. And that's like we're we're talking about like 28.1, 28.06, 28.9 uh, Pittsburgh, and 27.7. Like, there's not a big drop here. Like the Islanders, like I said earlier, if you move Johnny Boychuk out, you bring Oliver Wallstrom in. Like that—that's not gonna—it's gonna move it down. Even if you still bring in Andy Green, it's gonna move it down to the lower twenty-eights, and then you're you're in the Dallas-Tampa range. Last I checked, Dallas and Tampa just fought for the cup.
1: Yeah, isn't that what we're looking for? No, exactly, exactly. And obviously, it depends on what happens over the next couple of years. Like, you know, I'm I'm not saying you could you can keep running this thing back year over year over year and expect the same thing. That's not what we're saying, but. Uh, I, I don't necessarily buy that the Islanders are in a situation where it's going to have to be blown up in two years. No. God, two years? Well,
2: m- mm-hmm. No.
1: Don't, Maybe, don't. Come on. Come on. The, no, it's not.
2: They're, they're no. not
1: that old.
2: That's true, right? If we're thinking Brock Nelson, right,
1: in two years, Brock Nelson's only going to be 31. Come on. You're talking about 31, 32, 33. That's. That's still okay if it if all those guys are thirty five. That's a different conversation, but that's not what we're right. talking about here. We're still talking early thirties,
2: and then we also have to consider some of the other guys. Like Anthony bovilli is probably going to be at well is going to be part of that core. He'll be twenty five. Same thing with Matthew Barzell. That's two 25 year olds at at their prime.
1: Noah Dobson, we like him, right? He's twenty. Yeah, he'll be twenty-two. Ryan Pulak, Ilya Sorokin, right? Yeah, like Ryan Pulak just it, it, turned twenty-six. Like they're not that old in some key areas, too. That's just it. So like, yeah, when you look at like two years on top
2: of like Josh Bailey, who's thirty-one. Okay, yeah, that that starts to get when you're at thirty-three. Sure, and I think that was my only moment of hesitance. Is I, I was looking at Johnny, Bo- uh, Josh Bailey, and saying like thirty-one plus two. Uh, uh. But, you know, what? you're right. It's not that bad. Even some of the older guys, like Nick Letty is going to be here for at least another year. He's only 29. It feels like he's 35, but he's only 29 years old. uh, And he's just turned 29 in March, or he's going to turn 30 in
1: March. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Right. I just don't, I I don't think it's nearly as bad as what some of the internet is trying to lead you on to believe. And I I just wanted to get that out
2: which is typical when it comes to the Islanders, right? Like it's either um, we don't know what to expect from these guys or the sky is falling, right? It's one or the other. And and yes, you can panic when it comes to like the cap and you look at the cap situation and go like, they are precarious. Yes, that is fair, but it's not like, they're so precarious. They're going to be trash. Come on.
1: Uh, And also I, I know, I know the point you're trying to make, so don't take this as me trying to critique you, but I'm just throwing this out there as well. Tw- 28 of other teams in the NHL also feel the same way about their cap. Exactly right. <laughs> I, I, I'm not so worried at all. I, I'm, I'm really not. It's not that big of a deal. No, absolutely. So let's get this back talking about the front office, which we were talking about a little bit earlier with Lou Lamarillo. So a rankings from the athletic came out and they talked about each team's front office and, and where they ranked. And it took rankings from the public, perspective and the fans perspective and where the islanders came in was 16th so right about middle of the pack was that where you expected do you think that's too high too low
2: i think that's fair um i i like that the that the the change in confidence over the last year has grown not only in the fan base but in in the public's perception agree uh and, and this is all a Dom decision from The Athletic who, who does, like, he, he captures data from people. He says, like, here's an opening. Uh, how do you feel about this team and why based off roster, cap management, draft and developing, trading, free agency, and their overall vision? Uh, and in every metrics, the honors have done better than they had in the previous year based off the fan base and only done poorly based on cap management and free agency when it comes to um, the public opinion. So that's pretty good. Even everyone else knows that our roster building is pretty good. Our draft and development is, trading is, but you've done like three, four trades, no big deal. And and the vision is is good, according to the public's perception. And and that's really what matters for the Islanders, I find.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I I think the the vision, having that be high is a good thing because I agree. I think that, you know, the team's trending in the right direction. And uh, a lot of that is because of the relatively new front office that was put in place. And I think it's fair to be, you know, semi-critical of the cap situation. Again, I know I just said it, but 25 of the 31 teams in the league, if not more, aren't happy with their cap situation right now. Um, So it's not just an Islanders problem. But I, again, I I think they are slightly uh, overlooked. I think they could be a little bit higher. I think they could be closer to the top 10. I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but um, that's just how I would do it. So maybe I would be fit more in the fan side of things and and want them a little bit higher than the public's persona of them. But um, overall, I guess I'm I'm satisfied with the perception that this is a team that is trending in the right direction.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a, that's w- the one thing that we have to keep bringing it back, and that's why we, we kept mentioning at the beginning of the show is that the direction that this uh, this franchise is taking uh, is in a positive direction, not just on the ice, of course, because they are winning; they're the seventh best team in the NHL based off of record alone over the last two years. Uh, but we have UBS Arena, we have a state of the art practice facility. I know I know that began technically, anyways, uh, between like the two regimes, right. Uh, Of ownership, but it really does come back to ownership. And and as a Mets fan, I know you can appreciate this. Um, When you have strong ownership at the top, and it's not to say that Charles Wong was not a strong owner, he did keep the Islanders on or in New York City, maybe not on technically Long Island, but still in New York City so that they can eventually return to Long Island. He did that. Uh, He wasn't able to invest in the team as much as he would have liked, right? Like he was losing money year over year, keeping the Islanders in New York. He was doing that. That was a fact. Uh, And now that you have Ledecky and Malkin step in that have deeper pockets, look at what has happened to this team. They paid to get a president. They paid to get a coach. They're paying their players. And they paid to get a state-of-the-art arena. They're they're, they're doing the thing. They're doing the darn done thing. And without them, I don't know where this team would be.
1: No, they're they're really the saviors. And it it does start with ownership. You're 100% right. It's very, very difficult to have sustained success with bad ownership. It's very rare that you see that. But since Ledecky and Malkin have taken over, they have invested in the team. And it's paying dividends, and that's what you gotta do. You gotta set the infrastructure, and it starts from the top. And like you said, they brought in a legitimate president of hockey operations. He made himself the general manager. He brought in arguably the best coach in the league. Like there's a really, really good infrastructure here. Uh, so I, I think every, everyone should be optimistic about this team. I really do. I really, and it because you have that top down
2: mentality, you have a clear and linear. Uh, direction as to how this team is going to build towards their ultimate goal, because ultimately they are businessmen and they're looking to turn a profit. Sure, but you don't turn a profit by just sitting on your butt and turning your thumbs. That's not how you turn a profit with any business. Mm-hmm. You do have to spend money to make money, and and they're doing that right now. Like I, I would imagine, if you look at their coffers, they're like, "We're a little low, guys. I, I'd like to, for there to be more money in my coffers right now." But they're gonna turn a what four hundred million dollar investment when they bought the Islanders to a I wouldn't say a billion dollar investment but they could probably easily double their money to 800 million dollars in three more years
1: yeah probably with the new arena and more you know success and gate revenue at the at the new place yeah. I love yeah.
2: that. Maybe I'm being generous with 3 years because like I, we have to consider the COVID thing and yeah. they're certainly not making money right now and the league isn't being prosperous or is not prosperous over that time. Uh but I think the the, the point stands maybe my
1: my valuation is maybe quite a bit generous to double. Sure. And- but that that's not that's not what this is about. It's about the making the profit, which is exactly what they're doing when you, when you're getting a new arena. Obviously, you have to pay for the arena. It's going to be expensive, no doubt about it. But in the long run, that It helps. It's like when you do renovations to your house. You know that when you sell it, it's going to be worth more money. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, But looking at
2: this, is there anything that that strikes you? Anything that that comes out by this, I mean like the confidence poll, uh, either from a public opinion stand base or, or from the fan base itself? On the Islanders or just any team in general? The Islanders. Just the Islanders. I don't care about any other team.
1: No, not really. Did you have something that stuck out to you? Uh, well the, the fact that cap
2: management is so low uh, it really makes me think about the cap and I go like, okay well why would Lou get such a, a you know a, a lashing right like 2.5 percent has gone down from public opinion. Why would he get such a lashing looking at this at this cap? And yeah he signed Lee and he signed Nelson uh, and he signed Eberle, although Eberle took a, a $500,000 cut uh, and and Lee he paid too much. but if you look at this cap, if there's one thing that, that, that is screwing up this entire cap, it's really just one deal. And that's Andrew Ladd. Yeah, that's true. And he didn't sign that. We can talk about Johnny Boychuk making $6 million is a lot of money. And, it, and, and if that wasn't there, it'd be great. But you can't tell me that Johnny Boychuk did not earn his money. And I don't mean just you, Matt, because I know you won't say that, but anyone... You can come find me 119 carry street, Ottawa, Ontario. Come find me. And we'll, we'll have, we'll have a talking about Johnny Boychuk who has been worth the money that he signed. Yes. It sucks that we're paying him now $6 million specifically in a cap that is now flat. It sucks, but he earned that money. He definitely earned it. And so we can't lament the fact that he's making that money now.
1: No, in 2015, no one was upset about signing Johnny Boychuk and and Nicoletti. You can't do. I hate the revisionist history. I think that's what really rubs me the wrong way. Is when people come back for five, like six years into the contract and are like, ah, this really stinks now. Let's just block out the last five years. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, right now it, it's it sucks. Paying Johnny Boychuk at this point in his career six million dollars isn't good. But you had to, based off of his production in twenty fourteen, fifteen, and the few years after that. Like what did they pay Johnny Boychuk against the cap his first year? It was like what, four million dollars, maybe? Three, four million dollars, I'm gonna say.
2: I'm gonna gonna bring it up here. Uh it was three point three six uh before they got him, right? So three. he was making three point three six million dollars on the cap when they acquired him from Boston.
1: Okay, exactly. So you got well, your money's worth that year. He he was much higher than a three point three, whatever 3 whatever, $36 million player when he was brought in. So it, it evens itself out. Like you, I don't know. And the same thing with Lee. He was making $3 million against the cap for like three or four years in a row and was putting up 40 goals. So these things even each other out. So it, it's not, I don't know. It's not so black and white. There's gray area. I, I don't like the so much like this good deal, this bad deal. There, there's no in between. It's like, it's not that simple, man.
0: No,
2: there's a lot of context. I can't wait till 2024 when people come by and be like, ha, told you Anders Lee would suck or his contract would suck. You're like, yeah, okay, well, like, that's five years. He's 35 years old at this point. And, and yes, paying $7 million for Anders Lee was a lot, and Lou didn't want to do it. That's why he was signed on July 1, right? Like, Lou did not want to give him $7 million, but he eventually had to because you're like, well, I have to sign you. I can't let you go. And you want seven by seven or uh, yeah, it was seven by eight, but we couldn't give him the eighth year. All right, deal done. And, and like, it, we would probably would have paid him less if Jeff Skinner didn't get $9 million from Buffalo, uh, from Buffalo, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to factor that in at that point. Jeff Skinner and, and Anders Lee were kind of like the same player, productive wise, yeah. uh, pr- production wise, and he got nine million dollars. So we paid less, right?
1: Yeah, and you have to also look at that. You have to. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because could you imagine if that was nine million dollars? Yeah, we're having a completely different discussion. But like, I I feel like Buffalo does not get as crucified for giving Jeff Skinner nine million dollars and, and and Anders Lee at seven. Like, okay, maybe Anders Lee doesn't score forty goals again, but. I definitely think he's in the conversation to score 30 goals this year and the next couple after that as well. He's not going to be 2% shooting on, on the power play. That's just not going to happen again this year.
2: No, you're, you're exactly right. And so there is some revisionist history going on. And, and I just really wanted to bring this up with the cap. Cause when you look at it, you're going, yeah, Lou has made a few deals here, uh, but he didn't sign Cal Clutterbuck to $3.5 million. He didn't. And, and, He's not worth it. He's not worth 3.5 million dollars. You can get me to say uh, Case Ezekis is worth a 3.35. Sure, he did sign Leo Komarov to a a three million dollar deal. That was he bad. Did. That was bad. But like he he's he himself has said it. I have never underpaid a player, or I have never not overpaid a player. It just doesn't happen. You That's always true. overpay. He has said those words. So like when it comes to cap management, yeah, it sucks right now, but we also have to consider where we are economically, where we are just in terms of the what's going on in the world, and we have to remember like he's not dealing with a team that he's had for years upon years he's had two years he's going on off season number three right now. It's not a lot of time to shake off some of these contracts that are three to four years long,
1: yeah it's de- it's definitely not gonna be easy, and honestly, if if he is able to swing, which I I think he has a realistic shot to do it. If he's able to swing the Andrew Ladd to LTIR, I think it makes our life a lot easier.
2: Absolutely, and it probably will. And you're right; it really comes down to Andrew Ladd. If he can move him to LTIR, uh, assuming he's not fit to play, I would hate for like them to like truncate or, or I think I don't know if that's the right word to use, but like pigeonhole Andrew Ladd into a a LTIR corner because it would suck to have someone who is fit enough to play. Uh, even if he's not good, um, not being able to play like I, I just seen that from a personal level. If no, someone came it. to me, if like fan side, came to me and said, like, you know what, Mitch, we're going to continue paying you. But you just sit on the sidelines and don't do anything. Yeah, that might sound cool for like a week. But after that, you're going like, God dang, I'd like to play. I'd really yeah. like to do something and earn this money.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. He's a competitor. He wants to play. I'm sure it's eating him alive. Uh, but it's 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 probably what's for the best for the team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It really comes down to that.
1: Sweet. Anything else on the front office before we get to the quiz?
2: No, just looking forward to the next couple of years. Let's go with the quiz, I'd say. Okay, Matt. Um, as you all know, we are episode 169 of the uh, Eyes on Isles podcast. I couldn't find someone who had played 169 games who I know you would get without like some really kind of like feeding you guesses. Okay. Uh, and not, So I, I went with someone who you you may or may not know. But well, we'll, we'll go. They they haven't played 169 games. They've played 69 games. Nice. nice. Um, so are you ready? So you get five clues to kind of guess, and, and I'll basically give it away at number five. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. One. He's from my hometown.
1: Dennis Poffin.
2: <laughs> he's not played only 69 games for the Islanders, but I that did- is correct, sort of. Yeah, uh, Steady Potface
1: from Ottawa. Instead of saying, I don't know, I figured I would throw out the one guy that I did know.
2: Fair enough. Okay. Two, I was drafted in the second round of the 1998 draft by the Los Angeles Kings. Okay, next. I've played 81 games in the NHL. 69 of them were with the Islanders.
1: Games in the as you already knew that. But... Games the okay, next. My best
2: year at the NHL level was when I played in 03-04. I played 64 games for the Islanders, scoring 13 points. Okay, I don't know. My first name is Justin, and my last name
1: starts with Pappy. Justin Justin Pappy is Starts with Pappy. Starts with Pappy? There's a little bit more after the Pappy. Okay, who is it? It's Justin Papineau. Oh, okay. I forgot about his existence. He played
2: 64 games in 03-04. He scored 13 points. Eight of them were goals. I I didn't expect him to be in your wheelhouse, um, but it's the only one that I I could find to fit there. He was drafted in the second round in 1998, but he was also drafted in the third round of, I'm going to say 2000, because his agent... Like, tried to get the Kings to sign him to like this ridiculous entry level contract that just they didn't want to do. Okay. So, after two years, he just like went right back into the prospect pool.
1: Interesting. Uh, I'm looking at his stats right now. Pretty good AHL player.
2: Yep. Definitely. uh, Not good
1: at the NHL. Interesting. Did not remember him off firsthand. Okay. 64 games. That's hard. It's hard to figure that out. Absolutely. So, let's get into the social stuff, Mitch. Going around on aisles Twitter, what do we got this week?
2: Um, I, I just want to get my tweet ready here to make sure I've got the right one. Uh, yes, okay, so this is from uh, Brawley Talks Hockey Podcast. Um, I've never heard of them, but I, I'm glad I now get to hear them. Uh, they asked this question on Twitter. Who would you start, bench, and cut? Oh. Your options are Jeff Petrie, Jake Muzzin, Ryan
1: Pollock. Okay, I would like to keep Who Ryan would too. you
2: start, bench,
1: and cut? So Petrie, uh, oh, I'd probably have to start Petrie, I think. And then Really? Yeah. And cut Wow, Muzzle. okay. Cut and cut muzzin. Okay. So for me it would be
2: start Pollock, bench muzzin, cut Petrie. Although like it's a it's a close between Petrie and Muzzin. Um I would just I would just prefer muzzin. Okay. But yeah, for me it was easy Ryan Pollock. I think he's the better player of the three.
1: Uh, he's also, I believe, younger he's than much, all three of yeah, them. Yeah, he's definitely them. younger than all three of them. It's close. So, yeah, it, okay. That's you fair. You caught me by surprise there. I know. I'm a surprising guy. What do you want me to say? <laughs> uh, first one from me, Mitch, is the yep. Islanders finally revealed kind of what the reverse retro is going to be. They fooled me. It's the navy blue. I swore that it was going to be the white and the orange one. I, I had that down to almost a science.
2: I, I saw you write that. I saw you tweet about that. I saw another a, a bunch of other tweets about that. Saying, no, it's going to be the white. The Oilers are going to be the other one. And I was going, sure, it's possible, but like, I don't know. The blue, it just, it just looked too much. I wasn't sure at all. So I was very wishy-washy on that. But it, yeah, it turns out that they're going some sort of navy blue and orange. Uh, and then we'll see what the crest is.
1: Maybe the fisherman crest. Let's get weird.
2: <laughs> so that that's where my next one comes from. It's Eddie Johnson. Okay. Who says, uh, who says no, question mark, and it's a picture, and it says New York Islanders, and it's two Islanders, uh, and it's from the movie The Islanders. Okay. I'm sorry, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, and, and they, they look like, Willem Dafoe looks very much like the, the, the New York Islanders fisherman, right? Like full-on white beard. He's got the hat on. Yep. Uh, the pipe, everything just looks exact. And there's a big lighthouse standing behind them.
1: Slap, just slap it on a yeah, slap it on a navy jersey and let's go, man.
2: I don't think they're going to do that. And no. I know you don't think so either.
1: Yeah, I, it was tongue in cheek. I, I think it's going to be, I guess maybe something similar to the early 2000s look. Right, like they would have already done this. Although
2: on the jersey they used the 80, where they used 80 as a number, which it we've seen kind of tends to, to, to be based off of the year uh, of that retro
1: they didn't wear navy blue in that era so that's where my confusion is you know well
2: that's it was a royal blue right in that era yes which I know we're splitting hairs, but like that's where we're at with this reverse retro. Like,
1: well, uh, it was a a navy off blue, and if you use this one, it was more of a blue, yeah. right?
2: Like, who, it, it, we're splicing hairs when it comes to the shade of blue, but that's really where we're at. That's our excitement level. No, absolutely. Because it's going to be an NY crest, right? Like yeah. the, the full New York Islanders crest.
1: I, I think so. I I would be surprised. It's not going to be uh, the Stadium Series logo. I don't think. Or the the one that's on the alternate now, even.
2: I I don't think so either. And if they did, it'd be kind of like, cool, you just changed. In any way, unless they use the Islander, it's going to be like, cool, you used a different shade.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So uh, I am, though, very curious to see what they come up with. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'm very curious.
2: I hope they they surprise us all and they use the Islander. I really hope they do it. I don't think that they will because I don't think they're brave enough to do so uh but but i i want to desperately reclaim it reclaim it for sure it's gonna it's gonna piss off a number of people a lot of people are gonna be mad and reasonably so but like i think that'll be a sign of the times so that like we understand what happened we're gonna try to move forward and heal by using If that the best idea maybe maybe not i think so but a lot of people sure as hell won't absolutely
1: uh, my last one comes from NHL on NBC, and uh, it's a top 10 power rankings, and uh, the Penguins are at 9, and the Oilers are at 10. So it, with just that alone, would you think the Islanders would be higher than those teams or lower than those teams? Lower. They are lower. They're outside of the top 10, which is not something that I like. Does that really surprise you? No, 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 no. I just... I, I don't like it, and I want to bring it to the attention. And I'm hoping that our listeners will feel the same way.
2: Yeah, I, I'm sure they do. I think when you look at these rankings, you have to consider like they're they the writers are taking very little time to come up with their their rankings, and it's not to say that they're not doing it properly. It's just they're, they're looking at rankings, right? The season rankings. So they're going to go through the regular season and see where our teams rank. And and if you look at the Penguins, they rank seventh, right? But if you look at the Penguins team, you go that. If our core is old, their core is ancient. Yeah. Right? At, at some point, there's gonna be a fall off, and, and we're starting to see it now, right? They didn't get past the first round two years ago. They got, they didn't even make the playoffs technically this year, right? They got bounced out by Montreal. Um. So like, the, the, they're on the slide. They're on the downward. Um. I I would not trust them to be a good team again this year.
1: No, 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 no. A- absolutely not. I think they're taking a step back.
2: Agree. So, but I I think a lot of writers aren't going to try to prognosticate that much. They're going to go like, they were an okay team. They haven't made too many changes. We're good. While Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are a year older, guys, Chris Letang is basically running on on one leg. And and we'll see about their goalie situation that seems to be hot one year and not the next.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm not so confident in in Pittsburgh, but I guess with Crosby and Malkin, you always got to keep them somewhat in the mix.
2: Well, and, and that's what their GM does, right? Like, Jim Rutherford has traded first-round picks and has said that. Like, we're in it to win it as long as we have Crosby and, and Gino. Uh, and they got them both still, as far as I know. So <laughs> they're going for it. Anything else from you, Mitch? Uh, that's all. I, well, no, there's the Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, so it's his birthday. Mm. And, I, and I guess he just recent, not recently, but it's come up, like, uh, uh, him taking, like, MMA, essentially, lessons. Love that. Right, like boxing and and kickboxing, uh, which is nice to see because my man's is not scared to let it all out on the ice.
1: No, absolutely not. Like you said, he tried to take on uh, Brian Boyle, who's eight inches taller than him. (laughs) At least. Yeah, well, I I wrote about that today because um, it's his birthday, so I said I want everyone to watch that clip because it's hysterical. Um, Pajot's listed at 5'10 on his hockey uh, reference page. That... I love you, JG, but I think that's a generous five ten. <laughs> it might be, it might be. Yeah, I think we're looking more closer to five nine, and Boyle's probably a little bit bigger than six six. It's probably 6'7". <laughs> oh my god,
2: that, that is. I'm six, and you're six four, and I feel like there's a towering difference between the two of us. I can only imagine five nine and six six. Right. No, exactly. It's it's a it's a big
1: gap. So. Uh, but before we get out of here just want to do a couple of plugs so wherever you're listening to this show please make sure to subscribe rate review really helps us out we appreciate all the love and support you can also follow along with us on social media at eyes on isles fs on twitter my twitter is at matt o'leary ny mitch is over at tlo mitch you could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app, the eyes on isles app, available for iPhone or Android. Or you could visit the website too, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And last but not least, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. $5 a month gets you a ton of bonus content. We got mailbag show, we got a live stream, we got a newscast, we got multiple other podcasts that drop during the week where we go in depth, like 25, 30 minutes on one specific topic. Here on the regular show, we, we do about 40 minutes an hour on you know a bunch of different things. No, we go real in depth on one topic once or twice a week, sometimes three times a week depending on uh, the situation. And uh, when the season starts back up, we'll have postgame show. So a lot of fun stuff over there, right Mitch?
2: never ending. there's always something going on on the patrons, so get up on there patreon.com slash
1: eyes IELTS. That'll do it for us on episode 169. once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson and we'll talk to you next time.